Tonight, we're trying to get to the point now in our lesson where we start seeing the good news of God revealed. Uh, the first night, we talked about how God established relationship. And uh, we talked about how God created man, and man was in relationship with God, and that relationship was perfect. But then last night, we talked about how sin entered the world, and how sin broke that relationship between man and God, and how sin also broke the relationship that man has with other human beings, amen, that men and women have and men have with each other, that this relationship was broken because of sin. And I told you the good news was coming, and I said the good news is on the way, and tonight we begin to see that good news unfold, amen? Amen. amen. You begin to see that good news unfold. Uh, this, this lesson topic tonight is called the restoration promise, the restoration promise. Restoration in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a worldly sense, is when you take something old and you repair it to make it like new. In the kingdom of God, in the spiritual world, restoration is when you actually change a thing from being old, you change its very substance to being new, to something different. Amen? There's a big difference there, right? Because a car that was made in 1965 that you restore... You're not actually taking that old rusted metal and restoring it back to uh, metal the way it was in 1965. You're just bolting stuff onto it and, and spackling over it with Bondo and, and maybe even cutting a piece of the frame out and putting a new piece in. Because that's what you have to do to make it like new. Amen? Like new. We call that refurbished in technology, right? You might buy an iPhone or, a, or an Android or a computer that's refurbished. It's not a brand new computer. But it's like new because they want to repair whatever was wrong with it. Amen. And God, he is not a refurbisher of people. He is someone who is in the restoration business. Amen. Amen. And when God restores you, it's just like you were never in that situation, circumstance or behavior to begin with. Amen. Death is the ultimate restoration. Is when we're actually freed from this, the, this flesh and this worldly system that influences us and causes us to sin. Death is the ultimate restoration. Amen. It's when we are actually freed from this body, this, this, this flesh of sin. Amen. So we understand what restoration is. We're going to look at our scripture here tonight. Main scripture is coming from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 24. And Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Amen. And this is just talking about the promise. Amen. And we're going to pick up here in, uh, we're gonna pick up here in uh, Luke at chapter 2. And then we're going to pick up here at verse 28. Verse 28 says, uh, Simon took him, this is, this is Jesus as a child, as an infant, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace because Simeon was promised to live to see the coming of the Messiah. Amen. Amen. Uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Amen. Uh, we ought to shout about that being Gentiles. We are not by blood, by genetics, by heredity, uh, Jews. We're not. We don't have that lineage, biologically speaking, but we are Gentiles. And God, in his grace and mercy, included us in the plan of salvation. Amen? Amen. So we see here that Jesus was promised by God. 
If we go back to Genesis chapter 3 from last night and we look at verse 15, uh, Jesus was promised as Savior when God punished mankind. Amen? Even though God was, in, was angry with mankind, even though God was hostile towards their sin, even though they had become enemies of God, that now we were in spiritual warfare as people with a sinful nature warring against a holy God, we see that God was so graceful and so grace-filled that he even promised a Savior in the middle of the whooping. Amen? He promised a Savior in the middle of the whooping. He beat them and then told them, I'm going to fix this mess you've made. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He was speaking to the serpent, which was Satan. He says, to the serpent, and I will put enmity, hatred, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will, he will, he will, the offspring is a particular offspring, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Amen. The male that, 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 that God was, 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 was prophesying about, was, was foretelling of, was actually Jesus. Because Eve is the mother of all living human beings, amen. Jesus would pass through her lineage as her son, amen. Amen. And this is what he was, this is what God was speaking to, who's God was speaking of, when he said that uh, he will, he will, you will, uh, he will, he will, he will, he will crush your heel, head, and you will strike his heel, amen. The crucifixion. Your head is a deadly blow. That's a deadly blow. You can survive a heel. You can survive a heel strike, but that, that crushed head is a deadly blow. Amen. God shows us that Jesus was promised. Amen. Amen. Are there any questions about this promise? This is called the Proto Evangel, or the first gospel. Amen. The Proto Evangel is the first gospel. Amen. I learned that here at this church. Amen. You know, you've got this one piece that Jesus is. Amen. But Simeon knows that the Gentiles are included in the salvation. Amen. Knows that the Gentiles are included in salvation. Amen. Amen. He had a revelation. That's right. Amen. More information from God. Are there any other questions about this or any comments about this before we move on to our next slide? Amen. How high can a snake raise up? Depends on the snake, D. That's right. The cobra can, the cobra. Yeah, some some snakes can 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 uh, strike over half their body length, depending on what what type of snake it is. Oh no, ah, uh, you know, I think that's just that's a nice little bit of uh, preaching pageantry there. But uh, at the end of the day, the whole point was to what Reverend Foster pointed out that the heel strike isn't something that's going to kill the person. It would be an inconvenience; it would hurt a lot, but it doesn't kill the person, right? Black man, they didn't say black. <laughs> <laughs> to get him bit by a snake? No, hit him in his heel. Hit him in the heel, yeah. The Achilles tendon, amen. <laughs> amen. Are you any questions or comments about this? We're about to move on, amen. Amen. We must be restored to be saved, amen. You can't come into the kingdom of God the same way you were outside the kingdom of God, amen. 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 We often teach in church. That people need to clean themselves up and get right with God and then come into the church. No, no, no. God is the one who does the cleaning up and the fixing and the restoring and the, and, and, and the change. Amen. Amen. Because if you could do it, hmm. wouldn't you have already done it? Well, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. Or Jesus wouldn't have had to come. Amen. 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 
Because if you could do, how, did, how, does, how does Paul say that in Galatians chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could have been gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Amen. Amen. There we go. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that to my remembrance. Amen. Mark chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. Jesus says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, a new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Amen. And this process of fermentation that happens with wine is actually being made. Uh, their gas is given off. The wine is, is producing gases because of the fermentation from the yeast interacting with the sugars and the grapes. Amen. And in the grape juice, and it, and it is turning into wine. So these gases being given off expand. So imagine a balloon, amen. And these wine skins have to be new, so they are still stretchable and pliable. So that as the as the as the, um, as the wine expands because of the gases being given off by the fermentation process, the the the, the wine skins will stretch out wider, amen. But as they get old, the wine skins get old because the wine has, is maturing in inside of them. They get hard and rigid, amen. And these wineskins, once they get hard and rigid, they don't stretch anymore. So if you were to go and take and fill up an old wineskin with new wine that hasn't fermented yet, when those gases start to expand and be given off, the wineskins will break and crack, amen? So this is what Jesus is saying. There has to be a fundamental change in who I am before I can receive this, 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 this salvation that he's offering, Amen. He has to make me somebody else spiritually before he can actually indwell me with the Holy Spirit. This, this idea of, of putting something into me that's new when I'm still my old self, that doesn't work. Amen? Just doesn't work. And see, this is the idea that we have to be, oh, oh God, this is going to be good. We have to be receptive to this idea in all things in our lives. You can't go and try to get a new thing in life doing the same old thing. Amen? Einstein called that insanity. He said, if you keep on repeating, repeating yourself, doing the same thing and expect a different result, you're crazy, amen? And a lot of times we don't have change in our life. We don't have lasting change in our life. We repeat the same patterns over and over again with people in our lives. We get into the same type of relationships. We make the same mistakes with our money. We make the same mistakes in our ministry because we keep on doing the same old thing when God is asking us for a new thing before we, but we have to change, Amen. In some churches, people would be mad that I'm teaching off a PowerPoint screen with a laptop and all this stuff. I like flipping through the Bible. Right? In some churches, they would be upset about that. I can't believe we had a movie night. I can't believe they played a movie in the house of God. Right? In some churches, I'm I'm stretching this lesson out a little bit because we ain't done yet, amen? We ain't done. I'm feeling my stride kicking in, not even with this headache I got. See, the idea of what we do is preach the gospel. The how of it. God didn't go and give us this big list of what we must do in the how of it. He told us to go preach the gospel. So if I got to use a movie to preach the gospel, if I got to use a PowerPoint projection to preach the gospel, if I got to use Facebook Live that didn't exist when they wrote the Bible to preach the gospel, then that's what we are called to do, amen? That's what we're called to do. And see, what happens to people in their lives and in their ministry is they get stuck in a pattern of thinking as they calcify with age. Amen. 
as they get as they turn to stone with age. Their thinking becomes like stone. Their lifestyles become like stone. They get stuck in a rut. And then nothing new can come along and get them out of that rut because they're going to do the same thing the way they've been doing all their lives. No new information can penetrate their mind. No new information can affect their circumstances because they are, they are determined to do it the same way. And this is a problem because, because salvation doesn't even work this way. God changes who you are so that you can now do the things that he needs you to do in this new world, this new reality of salvation that you now know. Let me just, let me, that was a lot of free stuff there. Hope y'all got that. That was a buffet, man. I know, I love how my mama would cook. She would sometimes find stuff in the refrigerator, Sister Julie, that she didn't think about putting out. I put out them, them candy yams I had in there. Oh, that's nice. That's, that was in addition to the meal, wasn't it? Amen. So y'all got a little bit of freebie there, amen. You can't, you can't tackle change in your life trying to do the same old thing, amen. We must be born again to be saved. That's, what, that's how Jesus explained this to Nicodemus. He used the wineskin analogy before. Now he talks about being born again. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Amen. See, Nicodemus got some cred because Nicodemus came there and gave Jesus some nice platitudes and some nice flattery. But he really hadn't got it. Amen. Let me, oh, okay, oh this is getting good. Some folks come to church ain't like that. Amen. They give God the same kind of platitudes. They get up on Sunday morning, they put on a suit, they come sit on a, on a particular pew, they give God a little bit of hand clap, a little bit of praise, they, 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 they learn a little bit, they write down a few notes from the sermon, but they ain't got it yet. Because you see how they live. You see how they live, they ain't got it yet. And see, Jesus comes back and hits Nicodemus in the face with such a radical statement that it turns the whole idea of salvation and righteousness up on his head. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, can see the kingdom of God, not be enter the kingdom of God. You can't even see it unless they are born again. Remember I talked about last night? We can, we can talk about tithing all day. But if you're talking to an unsaved person, they can't even see the kingdom of God. Right? You can't see it. You can talk all day about prayer and being in communication with God, but they can't see it. Because they're not saved. They haven't changed yet. They're blind. They're blind. And Jesus has to open our eyes before we can even see the kingdom of God. Amen? That's why Jesus went around and healed that blind man. That blind man was born blind, and Jesus came and healed him after 33 years of being born blind. And it was because that, man's, that man was going to be a, a vessel through whom God could show what has to happen to us spiritually before we can even accept the kingdom of God as a reality. Amen? People can talk. When I went to New York last year, I could have talked about New York with people before I went. I could have had people tell me about Battery Park and about Canal Street and, and about, uh, about, about uh, Lower Manhattan and Upper Manhattan and about the Ritz-Carlton at Battery Park and about Peter Lucas Day. I could have had people talk to me about Broadway and I would have sat there and, and been polite and, and, and kind of said, okay, that's great. But when I saw it for myself, 
Now I've got a completely different understanding about those places in New York City. I know how much they cost. I know how, I know how good the food is. I know how great the acoustics are in that theater, amen. I know how good, um, how, how, how rich people are who come there to the Ritz-Carlton and enjoy themselves. I know how I can see the Statue of Liberty over all those boats and out there, out there at, uh, across the harbor and the bay from, from my room. I, I can picture it in my head, Sister Drew, because I've seen it now. And I can come back and describe it in great detail to all of you because I've seen it. And I can preach about how good Peter Luger Steakhouse is and how good that rib steak was, amen. And how the maitre d' came over and, and scooped the butter and, and the fact they had ringed off the steak on top of my steak, amen. I can talk about how they had this nice French, uh, French uh, uh, style uh, steak sauce sitting on the table there for you. And you just scoop a little bit out and put it on your steak. You don't need much because the steak is good. I can tell you that great experience because I've actually seen it. And when you talk to an unsaved person, they haven't seen it yet. And it's by the grace of God that they see it. It's by the grace of God. Hear me well now that they see it. The restoration has to happen for them to see it. Wow. We wrapped up there, you man. That's the last slide. There's nothing after this. Conclusions. Go ahead, Pastor Bates. Could you go back to that? You see, Jesus didn't even address what Nicodemus said. The platitude. He, he just skipped past it. Amen. He skipped past it. And see, we have to do this in church every day, man, as we minister and teach and we affect people's lives. You know, a lot of people come to us, you know, have talking about stuff like, well, I got bad luck and what can I do? I can jump to talking about these spiritual disciplines, but I need to help them understand who God is. That in the kingdom of God, ain't got no such thing as good luck and bad luck. There's God's favor, amen? And there's God's discipline. And if you really understand discipline in the kingdom of God, it's all God's favor, amen? Even the discipline, amen? Because God is stopping me and correcting me and molding me and shaping me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So it's all God's favor. Because I have a relationship with him. And I know that if he's spanking me, it's because I'm a legitimate child of his. He chastises his own, and I, he loves me. Amen. But if he didn't spank me, he might not love me. Amen. Amen. He might not love me. Conclusions. Jesus restores, renews, and revives us spiritually. This is what Jesus does in the life of the believer. He does this. And let me make sure I, before I read this last slide, every Christian has to ask himself that question sincerely. Am I coming to church out of tradition? Am I serving the church and serving the Lord out of tradition? Or am I actually a new creature? The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And it don't take a whole lot of old to be gone. And it don't take a whole lot of new to be saved. But one thing in your life has to begin to change, amen. amen. Maybe it is where you spend your time at. Maybe it is that you started coming to church and started be inquiring about the things of God. Maybe it is the fact that you began to be generous towards the kingdom of God materially. Maybe it's that you began to become generous with your, time, your talent and you began to devote your time to the church. But something's got to change, amen. Something's got to change. And I've got to be honest with you, church. 
you might be struggling with some stuff in your life. But a real saint of God is in prayer for dominion and strength over that stuff. I get, I get scared when I don't pray for certain sins I commit anymore. Amen. That I just take God's grace for granted. I get scared because I might not be saved living like that. Just taking it for granted that it's going to be all right. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember when I preached a couple Sundays ago and I talked about how the world was evil and wicked and that the world was a dark place. Paul said that too. The world was a dark place. Same idea here. Here's why he don't want you doing the stuff this world doing. See the pattern. I haven't taught this in a while, so I'm going I'm I'm to hit this and we're going we're gonna to sit down. See a pattern is something that repeats itself over and over again. And see that if you see a small bit of the pattern, but a significant enough a portion of the pattern, you know how the rest of the situation is going to look because it's a pattern, amen? See, if you look at my shirt and you just looked in my pocket and you couldn't see the rest of my shirt, you could understand and make a pretty educated guess at what my shirt looks like because you had seen the pattern, amen? You had seen what the pattern of my shirt looks like. So when we, we begin to observe the world and we see folks being, being so committed to their weekend, uh, their weekend schedules that they forget to give the Lord some time, amen, on Sundays. They make excuses about not giving the Lord some time. We see that we see this, uh, we see that this is a pattern of this world, amen. When we see a, a, a dash cam of a police officer shoot an unarmed man while he's sitting in the car with his girlfriend and the baby in the back seat, we, we ought not get surprised anymore, church, because that's a pattern of this world amen it repeats itself over and over again and we're just now seeing it because we've got technology and media visibility into these situations and circumstances amen when you hear about the government trying to take benefits from people who really need it at the expense and, and, and at the expense of poor people for the profit of rich people you shouldn't get surprised by that that's a pattern of this world amen uh, I, I gotta bring it home even closer than they bring it from out there into the, into the church when I see empty pews on, on, on Wednesday, Wednesday nights and I see empty pews first thing Sunday morning. I'm not surprised by that anymore. I might have been five or six years ago when I started teaching here at the church but that's just a pattern of this world amen because at the end of the day this is what the world does over and over again. So when I ask you to come to Sunday school, when I ask you to come to Bible study, when I ask you to give generously to the church even though everybody else around you ain't giving generously I'm asking you to break the pattern amen that's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to sew on a solid piece of color as a pocket instead of this, instead of the exact same check pattern that's on my shirt. That's what I'm asking you to do in your life. Begin to put something on it that's different. Amen. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, that's number two. That's, that's been troubling for me a long time. Amen. You know, uh, you said how we conform to the world. Amen. And all this stuff. Amen. And you percent evangelical base. Amen. Went for that junk. Went for that junk. Amen. Because it's a. Amen. Amen. But that's a pattern of this world. There's always been hypocrites, D. And I'm not excusing it. I'm just telling, I'm just saying I'm not surprised. Amen. I'm not surprised. Amen. And that kind of Christianity will not impact people. See, people respond to sincerity. You know, people really do. Even if you're a Muslim, 
or you're a Buddhist. If you're sincere, people respond to that. That's something that's authentic. People connect with that. See, that's one of the reasons why we as a ministry and as a church have to begin to think our minds in terms of Christianity. Is our Christianity sincere? Amen. We've got to make sure we're not just making a half-hearted effort that it's actually a sincere and deep effort. Amen. Because that is what connects with people. Then the Bible says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Amen. The problem, the problem that we have when we have people who are confused about the things of God is not that the things of God haven't been articulated. It's that people are conforming to the pattern of this world. See, I can't tell you how the church will just blossom if people came and studied the word of God together. I can't even tell you how this church would blossom if the, 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 the leadership of the church came and studied the word of God together. Asked sincere questions and, and, and really worked the teachers over and, and pushed and asked and prodded for information about the things of God. I can't even tell you how that would work out. That's something you've got to begin to see for yourself. I can't tell you how this church would be able to, to impact the community if people gave generously and, and began to steward their money so that they could be generous in the kingdom of God. I can't, I can't, even, can't even tell you that story because you have to see that one for yourself. See, I, I have seen it. I saw it. And it took me time to see it. So I, I bear with my brothers and sisters while it takes everybody else time to see it. But I saw it. Amen. I saw it. I'm not investing hard, Brother John, and hitting the stock market and learning about mutual funds because I'm just trying to get rich. If I get rich, then my church gets rich. Amen. Oh, y'all didn't hear that one. Amen. See, if I get rich, then my church gets rich. See, that's genuine. That's, the, that's what prosperity in the kingdom of God looks like. I'm surrendered to the Lord. So everything I've got is his. Amen. So if, if, the, if, if, if I've got the money and the church tells me they need some new initiative going on, I'm the first one to write a check because I have been blessed in proportion to my generosity. Amen. So I want to be the one that God can use to do this stuff through. Amen. And I tell the Lord, I said, look, Lord, if it's got to be me, here I am. Because I don't mind giving 10, 11, 12, or even 30 when God lets me keep 70. That's a pretty good deal. So whatever blessing he's got to send through me so that that 10, that 11, that 12, that 30 can be significant to impact what we're doing here, I receive, amen, because I have a heart to give, you know. And see, this is why our minds have to begin to change because, see, I want to be able to test the good, the pleasing and perfect will of God. I want to be able to see what it is that he wants me to do. I want to know what he wants me to do. Amen. See, when you've been with somebody for a while in a relationship, I'm done teaching. I'm, I'm sitting down after this. When you've been with somebody in a relationship for a while, you begin to know stuff about them. You begin to know that they always want you to bring a cup of water to them at the table when they don't walk past the refrigerator themselves. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Help us, Lord. I don't know who I'm talking about back home. You begin to know that they like to eat out of the pots before they actually make their plate, amen? And then they want to sit down and they forget convenient little bits and pieces of stuff. You begin to know things about people when you've been with them, amen? You know that she likes to go shop after she gets paid, amen? And that she really wants to go shop before she gets paid, so you need to have a little bit of something for her, amen? You begin to learn things about people. You begin to know that she likes her back rubbed after she's had a hard day or her foot rubbed. I mean, you begin to learn things 
That's why she put her feet on your lap. She didn't put her feet on your lap because she wants you to see her toenails. She wants you to rub her feet. Amen. You begin to learn things. Amen. You know that she's lying when she says that, that flowers are a waste of money. Because she wants everybody on her job to see that you thought enough of her to send her 12 dozen rose, or a dozen roses. Amen. Unrequested. Amen. Just out the blue. Amen. Amen. I see. I'm, I'm speaking about the, I'm speaking about after I received that blessing, Sister Rosa. Twelve dozen, amen. That blessing, amen. 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 What's that, D? Well, that's fine, too. You know that after a while. But all of that said, you begin to know things about a person once you're in relationship with them. You begin to know what their, here it is, church, what their will is. You got it, Sister Rosa. Amen. One, you got to spend time with him. That's it. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. And then you become more like him. So it's not really God. You, you become aligned with God. That's it. That's it. You get you get God in doesn't come align with you. Will. That's you it. With his, his will. will. In the Bible That's it. By being transformed to his way. That's it. That's it. You conform to him. Amen. This is what we have to begin to understand that relationship is what impacts and changes people. You know, ritual doesn't do it, but relationship does. Amen. You can spend all the time in the world uh, dunking people in water, giving people communion. You can do all that. You can go lay hands on folks and cover your cover them with all kind of Crisco and shortening and oil. Amen. You can do that. Amen. And some of y'all, some of y'all deacons who ain't been saved all, all that long, y'all might use baby oil. Amen. But the reality of it is, is that ritual doesn't save people and change people. Nothing outwardly does it. It's got to be Jesus' heart transformation. Prayers of a righteous man. Prayers of a righteous man. much. Amen. Amen. But let me sit down here, church. Is there any questions about our comments? We're, we're, we're over time. Well, no, no, we're not. We're, we're done. We're just done. Amen. Amen. I came out of, kind of, out of the gates kind of firing on this. But it's just one of those things that's pivotal. And it's transformational. You know, Cain, when he got in trouble for his sacrifice... He was given the Lord from his livestock that he uh, that he raised in Genesis, and uh, the the Bible says that um, was that Abel who was given. Ah, that's true. I'm sorry. The Bible describes that Abel was given fatty portions of his livestock, fatty portions meaning choice cuts. Amen. Big chunks of 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 of, of meat from his livestock as a sacrifice when he made a burnt offering, but Cain didn't do such a thing. Amen. Amen. A lot of people say, well, I don't know what was wrong with Cain's sacrifice. The Bible kind of qualifies it and tells you that his sacrifice, he compares it. The Bible says, Abel gave fatty portions. Amen. See, a fatty portion of your life is your time. A lot of it. Amen. That's what it means to be a, to be a living sacrifice. If I want to get known from giving a good sacrifice to the Lord, is it a fatty portion of your time? Amen. Because your life is measured in time. Amen. Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people, a lot of people speculate about that, but but since but since all that speculation is fair game, I get to speculate too. And in my teaching, Amen. It's a fatty portion. <laughs> it was a fatty portion. You know, a lot of people would say, "Well, what was Cain supposed to give if he was a farmer?" Mm-hmm. And he had grain and stuff. Yeah, that's what he gave. He gave what he had, but maybe what he gave wasn't sufficient. Maybe maybe he should have traded with his brother and got a choice sacrifice, right? Amen. 
But let me stop. T- let me stop talking about doing what's necessary to give God what He mm, what He requires of us. Let me stop that. We just like to, we just like to cry. Oh, I can't do no better. Okay. Maybe one gave from the heart. Maybe one gave with different kind of intentions. Amen. All that speculation is fair. Amen. All that's fine speculation. Amen. Amen. But we know what He gave wasn't right with the Lord. Amen. Are there any questions or comments? We're done teaching. Amen. Y'all, y'all been a great class. I just want to lay out that God is a spirit Ray, and that he worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. You know, if you get to know God, get to know his son, Jesus. Amen. I just want to throw that out there, and that's what we're teaching. Spirit and in truth. About Jesus. Amen. That's, I think that, that, that way they get to know God. Amen. 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 All right, let me pray and dismiss, y'all.